you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. I'm your host, Antonia Cerejido, and this is Imperfect Paradise, Yoga's Queen of Conspiracy Theories, Part 3, a story that follows the wellness industry to QAnon pipeline told through one yoga teacher's journey down the conspiracy rabbit hole. On the last episode, Katie Griggs reinvented herself as a celebrity yoga teacher, Guru Jagat, and began to adopt fringe beliefs. She demanded that we call her Guru Jagat, and in my own head, I said, I'll be damned if I'll call you Guru Jagat. It's Katie, not Guru Jagat. The closer you are to Yogi Bhajan, the more direct your contact, the more juice and authority you have. In this episode, another factor in Guru Jagat's radicalization, a Me Too scandal involving the founder of Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan. All of a sudden, these Kundalini Yoga teachers who paid thousands and thousands of dollars for their certification are going... What? You guys have covered this up and this man was an abuser? Here's Elliot's correspondent, Emily Guerin. A warning. This episode includes descriptions of sexual assault and harassment. In January 2020, two things happened that marked the end of seemingly unrelated eras. One, the first case of COVID-19 was reported in the United States. Two, a book came out about the founder of Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan. It was written by one of his former students. And I'm not sure that Guru Jagat, or anyone else really, knew it at the time. But these two things, the book and the virus, they would tear her Kundalini Yoga community apart. Do you remember how you first found out about it? Like, do you remember where you were when you first found out about it? I was going on a trip, so I, I downloaded the book to take it with me, and I read it on that on the plane, and I wanted to not believe it. Jacqueline Gelb, the woman who considered Guru Jagat her teacher, was on the way to scuba dive in Papua New Guinea when she began reading Premka, White Bird in a Golden Cage. A friend who practiced kundalini yoga had told Jacqueline she needed to read it. It was a memoir written by a woman named Pamela Dyson. And Pamela had been one of the highest ranking officials in Yogi Bhajan's organization. When Jacqueline finished the book, she started it again from the beginning. She read parts of it out loud to her husband on the boat at night. And maybe this seems like an obvious question, but what was it about what Pamela had written in the book that was so upsetting to you? Oh... Yogi Bhajan had been presented to us as a master, you know, a, a bodhisattva, a, a realized being. And then to read a book where it was like, <laughs> he was not, he was, maybe he was all those things. And he was also, you know, almost like a typical predatory man. Around the world, Kundalini students were picking up Pamela's memoir and having nearly identical experiences to Jacqueline. 
For them, reading White Bird in a Golden Cage became one of those I remember exactly where I was kind of moments. And I ended up having a breakdown, coming to that realization that this person that I had been following is actually a really horrible, horrible person. I, quite frankly, didn't know what was really going on until I read this book. I mean, learning that the yoga that you've been practicing and preaching was created by a serial predator and rapist. It was like a mirror getting shattered. When I first started looking into the radicalization of Guru Jagat, I thought it was the pandemic that had spurred her evolution from wellness celebrity to right-wing conspiracy theorist. And then I learned from my reporting that she'd had a penchant for conspiracies long before the pandemic even started. The yoga she practiced and the people she surrounded herself with had made it worse. But I know now that there was something else going on, a Me Too reckoning in the Kundalini yoga community. And Guru Jagat viewed it as an existential threat, maybe even more so than the pandemic. From LAS Studios, this is Imperfect Paradise, yoga's queen of conspiracy theories. I'm Emily Guerin. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash paradise. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at Elias.com slash sweeps. I'm Emily Guerin. This is Imperfect Paradise, yoga's queen of conspiracy theories. In 1968, Pamela Dyson walked into the East-West Cultural Center in Los Angeles to take a class with Yogi Bhajan, the man who founded Kundalini Yoga. Outside the doors of the small beige house, it felt like the country was turning on itself. There were protests against the Vietnam War. Chicano students were walking out of their schools in East L.A. 
Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy had been assassinated. Pamela's own life was in turmoil, too. She was recently divorced and suddenly found herself with far fewer people to spend time with. She had a vague sense that yoga and meditation would help fix things. Pamela told me she wasn't up for being interviewed, but here she is speaking on the Project Hope podcast last year. So I was vulnerable, and I really went looking for a spiritual teacher. The tendency of the time of those, you know, 60s, and, you know, the Beatles going to be with Maharishi in India, and the songs, the music, the energetic was all towards the East. In her memoir, she describes how she was mesmerized by Yogi Bhajan after seeing him speak for the first time. She went to his studio to take a class. Afterwards, while she lay on the ground, he groped her. She was shocked and confused, but also still believed this man could be her guru. Just being in the presence of somebody with a tremendous amount of charisma and power, it gave me sort of a shock. We become childlike, you know? It's like, okay, daddy, <laughs> you're going to tell me who I am and how to live and how to do it right. And in order for me to understand or take that in, I'm going to have to completely trust in you. She made a clean break from her old life. She gave up her name, Pamela, and became Premka, Yogi Bhajan's mistress, his secretary, his personal attendant. She worked long hours for no pay and massaged her guru to sleep at night. She was totally devoted to him. And so when she became pregnant with his child, she followed his instructions to have a secretive abortion in India. It was an illegal procedure, and later she nearly hemorrhaged to death. The whole experience left her wondering if Yogi Bhajan cared more about preserving his own image than her survival. Sixteen years passed this way, but over time, she started to grow disillusioned. Yogi Bhajan kept her from marrying or even having close friends, while he had a wife, children, and many lovers. Finally, she left. She got married, and she moved as far away from Yogi Bhajan as she could, Hawaii. Over the years, she did a few interviews about her experience with Yogi Bhajan, but at the age of 76, she decided to tell her story in her own words. This earthly realm is a realm of suffering, which sounds horrible, but it's the truth. It's a realm in which we actually learn from suffering. More than 30 years before Pamela Dyson's memoir came out, a woman named Catherine Felt had sued Yogi Bhajan. She accused him, essentially, of holding her hostage and sexually assaulting her. Her lawsuit was dropped and few people in the kundalini yoga community believed her. Publicly, Yogi Bhajan joked about the lawsuit and denied the allegations. And if I tell you one example of the complaint, you shall be shocked. This is Yogi Bhajan speaking in 1986. In this YouTube video, he's sitting in front of a large crowd that's off camera. One of the complaint is... Sadani Gurumrutkar Khalsa and Sadani Guruki Kaur Khalsa physically held down at the ground and I perform 
an act of asad. He looks around like, what's the word again? I don't know what they call it. Asadmi. And then I got up and I peed. As the crowd laughs, he holds his palm up, like he's saying, I know this sounds crazy, but just hold on. That's what it says. Here's another speech that was uploaded to YouTube. Rape is always invited. It never happens. A person who's raped is always providing subconsciously the environments and the arrangements. This message, coming from the same man who also preached, love is the ultimate state of human behavior, where compassion prevails and kindness rules. Yogi Bhajan died in 2004. After Pamela's memoir came out in January 2020, other women began to come forward with similar stories. They did so mostly in this private Facebook group that grew eventually to have over 6,000 members. There were so many stories, it became impossible to ignore. So two months later, the organization Yogi Bhajan founded commissioned a third party to look into the allegations. That report came out in August 2020, and it found that Yogi Bhajan, quote, more likely than not, engaged in sexual harassment and rape. I had no idea of the impact my book would have. This is Pamela Dyson again on the Project Hope podcast. All of a sudden, these kundalini yoga teachers who had paid thousands and thousands of dollars for their certification are going, what? You guys have covered this up and this man was an abuser? Once people started digging, the truth wasn't hard to find. You have drug smuggling, gun smuggling, phone fraud, wire fraud, gemstone fraud, people being swindled out of inheritances and signing away deeds to homes. Through his research on kundalini yoga, Philip Slip discovered a surprising amount of fraud and illegal activity being perpetuated by Yogi Bhajan's students. Money and gifts to Yogi Bhajan provide status and they provide access. So there is a kind of accepting culture of criminality within the inner circle. In 1998, the Federal Trade Commission filed charges against a member of Yogi Bhajan's inner circle for running a gemstone investment scheme. Two years later, authorities arrested another student of Yogi Bhajan who was involved in an office supply scheme. This student was Hari Jivan, Guru Jagat's mentor Hari Jivan. He pled guilty to mail fraud, was ordered to pay $155,000 in restitution, and sentenced to two years in federal prison. I talked to a man named Gursant Singh, who says he worked alongside Hari Jivan, selling office supplies for 10 to 20 times what they were worth. Was it to make money for Yogi Bhajan and his organization? Well, that, that was the idea, is that we were trying to fund this dharma, as we called it, okay? Um, it wasn't pitched exactly to give money to Yogi Bhajan specifically, because we, we always thought that by doing these meditations, by doing this yoga, by uh, being out there with all, wearing all white and wearing these turbs and everything, that we were saving the world. That was my understanding, that we were trying to raise the consciousness of the world, you know, free the world from wars and famine and, and all these things by raising consciousness of everybody. And here we were, ironically, 
know, telling people lies. Grissant began practicing kundalini in the 1970s. He became disillusioned with Yogi Bhajan after seeing the extent of illegal activity that he condoned. And since, he's become something of an anti-Yogi Bhajan activist, trying to draw attention to his misdeeds. You know, I definitely bought into it. And I, I guess the only reason I did was I was young and naive. But, you know, the idea was that there was no karma on the phone, he would say, and that um, you know, kind of the end justifies the means. So whatever it took to get money, just, just do it. As Kundalini Yoga expanded, Yogi Bhajan's followers established other companies. There was tea, there was cereal, and then there was this, private security for federal immigrant detention centers. I was just dumbfounded. I could not believe it. This is Sandeep Morrison, They're a queer, non-binary, sick writer and artist. They found out about Yogi Bhajan's private security company, which is called Akal Security, while watching a panel about ICE detention centers back in 2019. I thought, oh my gosh, in the name of yoga and Sikhi, a faith that a lot of people don't know about, they're capitalizing off of the oppression of people. Sandeep knew who Yogi Bhajan was because Yogi Bhajan was also sick. And when Sandeep was a child, Yogi Bhajan had visited their place of worship in Canada. They remember him walking in, draped in jewels, and surrounded by white women in turbans. And I'd never seen someone dressed like that before. You know, you put ego on the side, and the centering is, our faith is beautiful, we center around service, community service. And so that was a big contrast. He conflated an over 500-year-old religion of Sikhi during the the yogi guru boom of the 60s, where, you know, white women were essentially shopping for religions and identity. And he conflated it with an over 5,000-year-old practice of yoga and, and then created his cult practice. So then you have, you know, some well-intentioned souls who are looking for a practice who have no idea what they're actually practicing. The official story that Yogi Bhajan had told his followers was that kundalini yoga was an ancient forgotten practice that he brought to the West. It turns out that story wasn't true. The reality is that Yogi Bhajan was a dabbler. He studied with various yoga teachers and spiritual teachers in India. Philip D. Slip discovered that when Yogi Bhajan arrived in L.A., he kind of cobbled together the practice known as kundalini yoga in order to meet the demands of his American audience. The only person who's telling the stories, the only person who could really verify them, is Yogi Bhajan himself. I don't know whether Guru Jagat knew that Yogi Bhajan fabricated kundalini's origin story, or if she cared. What matters is that she made it her own. I think the best way to understand Katie Gurjugat is the photocopy of a counterfeit bill. Philip told me that Yogi Bhajan and his organization, 3HO, take elements of the Sikh tradition and exaggerate them. And they're giving them other meaning and other explanation, removed from the vast majority of Sikhs throughout the world. What Katie is doing is taking the 3HO playbook and then exaggerating it even further. For example, Philip said, the turban. For six, uncut hair is sacred, and the turban is an article of faith, like a yarmulke, as well as a source of personal pride. But according to Yogi Bhajan, people shouldn't cut their hair 
because hair is your psychic antenna and that you should tie a turban because it adjusts the plates in your skull. This is complete nonsense to the rest of Sikhs throughout the world. Guru Jagat takes it a step further by letting her hair hang out of a messy, loose turban. It, this would be even more absurd to any Sikh who would think about the covering of their own hair. It would be like someone wearing a sports bra and deliberately having one breast hanging out. It's completely absurd. And to Sandeep, it's deeply offensive how Guru Jagat, Katie, can slip her turban and her sick name on and off. As someone who grew up as sick, my father wears a turban, my brothers and cousins. Our articles of faith are received very differently on a white body than they are on a black or brown body. When we see a white woman with a turban, we think, oh, what is this mystical person? Because that's white privilege. You know, you can disassociate yourself from whiteness, dip into another culture, and then go back to your safety. Not long after the George Floyd protests in May 2020, Sandeep posted a video clip of Guru Jagat to Instagram. In the video, Guru Jagat is speaking on a panel about intersectional feminism, and she wonders out loud if she may have been a person of color in a previous life. I can't play this for you because it's from Rama's subscribers-only website. Sandeep commented on the post, Katie, aka Guru Jagat, has built her brand by misrepresenting Sikhi, by commercializing sacred prayers, and presenting the turban as part of the, quote, commercialized yoga aesthetic. Guru Jagat had just wrapped up Rama's annual New Year's festival when the revelations against Yogi Bhajan began to emerge. Some yoga studios immediately stopped offering kundalini classes and denounced their guru. Others tried to separate the teacher from the teachings. They argued that the yoga Yogi Bhajan created really helped people, even if he was harmful. Guru Jagat would take an even more extreme approach. That's coming up on Imperfect Paradise. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts. I'm Emily Guerin. This is Imperfect Paradise, yoga's queen of conspiracy theories. In February 2020, a month after Pamela's memoir came out, Guru Jagat's mentor Hari Jeevan released a YouTube video called The Futile Flow of Fate, a story about a teacher's love and a student's betrayal. The video begins with Hari Jeevan sitting on a stage, addressing a group of students. A large framed photo of Yogi Bhajan hangs on the wall beside him. Someone, I think, needs to speak up on behalf of Yogi Bhajan. 
She's making claims against him that date back 50 years ago. Who knows what happened? But some people want to read this story and go in a certain direction with this story. Guru Jagat reposted this video on her Instagram account. She captioned it, This tale is no truer than any other tale. The truth, as always, lies in the eye of the beholder, and turned off the comments. I asked Jacqueline Gelb about this period. Do you remember Guru Jagat addressing Pamela Dyson's memoir directly in any of the classes at the time? In the beginning, she was always, it felt like she was diplomatic. Here she is in a Rama class from February 4th, 2020, just a few weeks after the memoir came out. This video was shared to YouTube, and in it, Guru Jagat seems to be implying that everything happens for a reason. The worst things can happen to me, the the hardest things, the worst things, the most challenging things, and I will always look at it as the great miraculous hand of the cosmic mind. That is prosperity. So that's why, you know, I'm not into this whole thing of people, oh, what happened? It's like, fuck you. What happened to you? But Jacqueline says after Hari Jeevan came out with his take on Pamela Dyson's memoir, Guru Jagat changed. After that, she became very positional. And when people would ask questions, she would shut them down. It kind of broke the community apart a little bit, kind of split it in two. And of course, that's what makes Rama distinct in early 2020. When everyone else in the Kundalini yoga world zigs, they zag. Philip Dieslip was watching all of this unfold. So many people are apologizing, they're sad, they're grieving. Rama does the opposite. In many ways, they have a very Donald Trump-like response. It's all lies. It's all fake news. None of these allegations are true. It's all slander. I struggled to make sense of Guru Jagat's response to the allegations against Yogi Bhajan. She spoke at the California Women's Conference. She ran the Aquarian Women's Leadership Society. She marketed herself as a leading global figure helping to create the new feminine matriarchal archetype. So why would she say she didn't believe the people accusing Yogi Bhajan of sexual assault? That bewilders me to this day. Cassidy George wrote a story for Vice about how Guru Jagat and the Rama Institute responded to the sexual assault allegations, among other controversies. I think for Guru Jagat, it was more about this other woman coming out from the past who was posing a threat to Guru Jagat's authority, to Guru Jagat's reputation as a feminist, to Guru Jagat's reputation as a leader, you know, in a female space. So I think her anger and her kind of doubling down was in defense of her business, but also coming from a deeper kind of resentment. And I think it also has to do with Hari Jeevan. Cassidy's theory on this is that in defending Yogi Bhajan, Guru Jagat may also have been defending her teacher, Hari Jeevan, and his take on the scandal. Guru Jagat's own origin story may also help explain her response. Philip D. Slip told me that in Kundalini Yoga, there's this idea of the golden chain. It's the idea that knowledge is passed from teacher to student, and from that student to their student. And you can trace it all the way back to Yogi Bhajan himself. You see so many Kundalini Yoga teachers 
have their connections to Yogi Bhajan as their main form of credentialing. Yogi Bhajan was my teacher. I lived alongside him for decades. He taught me directly. The closer you are to Yogi Bhajan, the more authority you have. Guru Jagat told people that Yogi Bhajan named her, told her to move to LA, and told her to start the Rama Institute. He even gave her the business plan. So it would have been awkward, even compromising, if the person she derived her authority from was a serial abuser. And so it might make sense for her to discredit the people he abused, especially given that throughout Yogi Bhajan's life, he told his students that there would come a time when his enemies would try to take him down and they would have to come to his defense. Philip Dieslip told me that he primed his students to doubt women like Pamela Dyson. So when accusations come out, his followers immediately have a box to put those accusations in. Well, of course he's going to have enemies. Of course he's going to be slandered. I was doing this spin class at home recently when the instructor said something along the lines of, let go of that which does not serve you. It sounded vaguely motivational, but it also sounded a lot like ignore anything that you don't agree with. So much of this world has relied on a kind of like fetishization of natural solutions, of kind of individuals having the true knowledge over their own bodies and their health. And I think that particularly like the relativism around truth, which has so long been a part of a lot of kind of wellness cultures, really reared its head in the pandemic. Natalia Petrozella is a historian who studies American culture, and she's written a book about the history of fitness. She said that this kind of find-your-own-truth language was mostly all well and good in the before times. But when it's the pandemic and that kind of language is being deployed to kind of foment like anti-vaccine sentiment or COVID denialism, um, it has the same power because we're all steeped in this culture where we're like, yeah, look inside, find your own truth, but it can be used for real harm. After Pamela Dyson's memoir came out and during the pandemic, that's when Guru Jagat's stepfather, Rabbit, started noticing her becoming more and more detached. She decided that making up your own truth was just as real as an objective reality around you. So do you think that the whole kind of disregarding objective reality, creating your own truth, that that came from doing kundalini yoga? I think it came from her teacher that taught her about the fact that empowerment is a personal space inside yourself. And to do that, you have to create your own reality and keep going with it, create your own truth, and then try to get that truth out into the world in some fashion. I was re-watching that YouTube video that Guru Jagat's teacher, Hari Jivan, made about Pamela Dyson's memoir. And part of the way through, Hari Jivan makes a sudden jump from talking about Pamela Dyson, and he begins talking about the coronavirus. And Pamela Dyson's story can be taken as a virus. It depends what you want to do with it. This is your choice. At first, it's confusing. What do these two things have to do with each other? But to Hari Jivan and Guru Jagat, both are simply stories we can choose to believe or not. Everyone's allowed to tell their story. Everyone has the freedom to express themselves. Then the question becomes, what's truth? It's your truth. 
You decide what you want to believe in the story. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. In January 2021, Guru Jagat released a video on YouTube of her singing John Lennon's song, Give Me Some Truth. The video is kind of a mashup of close-ups of Guru Jagat singing and members of the Rama staff dancing, contrasted with clips of protests, politicians, people wearing masks, and getting the COVID vaccine. I've had enough of reading things by neurotic, psychotic, pig-headed politicians. All I want is the truth. It feels to me like she's saying, this is all bullshit. The only thing that's real is here, on the mat. Your yoga practice, your reality, that's the truth. I think it's resonating. We have lost a shining light here on Earth, someone wrote. You've helped me get through this nightmare. I can't believe you're gone. Just give me truth. Since Guru Jagat died, the Rama Institute moved into a new space in an office park in Santa Monica. When I went to take a midweek class last year, the studio was nearly empty, but Guru Jagat's presence was everywhere. White dresses from the Guru Jagat collection hung in the lobby. Photos of her were for sale at the front desk for $175. And in the studio itself, that same photo hung on an altar above lit candles, pink lilies, and a crystal ball. Even more so than in her studio, her influence lives on among her followers. This is a woman named Angela Sumner, who posted a long YouTube tribute the day after Guru Jagat died. Even if you think that she's a scam artist, even if you think she's a conspiracy theorist, you can't look at her eloquence and her teachings and deny that she is one of the greatest teachers that's ever lived during our time. Angela goes on to say that she herself has been radicalized by Guru Jagat. I would be lying if I didn't admit that there's a new fire that her death has lit under me. There's a desire to impact more people. There's a desire to change lives, to wake people up. And if you think her death was an accident, no. I am well aware that speaking out means that I might be targeted but I'm willing to do whatever it takes for humans to understand what's really going on in the world. Guru Jagat began the pandemic as a famous yoga teacher who spoke occasionally about conspiracy theories. She ended it as a martyr. That's LAist correspondent Emily Guerin reporting. On the next and final episode of Imperfect Paradise, Yoga's Queen of Conspiracy Theories, a whole new chapter to this story that we were not expecting. What has changed is that its reception and its normalcy has been really mainstreamed into larger and larger environments. But there's a general process of mainstreaming that I think reaches its pinnacle with the presidential candidacy of RFK Jr. 
He's the conspirituality candidate. That's coming up on Imperfect Paradise from Alea Studios. Listen to new episodes of the podcast every Wednesday on whatever podcasting app you use or alaeus.com slash imperfectparadise. And you can also tune in on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. on Alea's 89.3. This episode of Imperfect Paradise was written and reported by Emily Guerin. I'm the show's host, Antonia Cerejito. Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show, and Shayna Naomi Crockmall is our vice president of podcasts. Production, research, and sound design by Emma Alabaster. Research and additional reporting by Francisco Aviles Pino. Editing by Kelly Prime and me, Antonia Cerejito. Fact-checking by Tess Kessler, Emma Alabaster, and Emily Guerin. Mixing by Donald Paz. Original music by E. Scott Kelly with additional instrumentation by Will Marsh, Nicholas Young, and Kamini Natarajan. Our theme songs were written by Ra Ginder and E. Scott Kelly. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support this show by donating now at alaeus.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com events.